Welcome to Redefining Success, the Kingdom Builder Spotlight. I'm your host, Eric L. Dunavant, the Mindset Disruption Strategist and President and CEO of Paradigm. My teams and I redefine success for purpose-driven families and businesses by challenging social norms and balancing family and finance to build kingdom impact and generational prosperity. I believe that there are families and businesses that have learned to give a new definition to the word success from a kingdom perspective. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the next 20 to 30 minutes where we take traditional thinking and turn it upside down. Welcome everyone, it's Eric L. Donovan, the Mindset Disruption Strategist. We are here for another episode of Redefining Success. And joining me today is Wayne Mullins, the founder of Ugly Mug Marketing. And as I've been learning more about him and reading more about him, if you guys follow me, you know my motto is, if it's not broke, break it. And I believe that Wayne is cut from the same cloth. So I am looking forward to our interview today. So Wayne, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Eric. I'm excited for this and looking forward to breaking some things. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, Wayne, before we start breaking anything, why don't you tell me and your audience just a little bit about yourself outside of Ugly Mug? Because we'll get to talk about that while we're together today. Yeah, absolutely. So I am a husband. Uh, my wife and I have been married for just over 20 years now. We have four amazing kids, which I don't know what parent would not say their kids are amazing, <laughs> but four amazing kids. Our oldest is 16, and then we have 13, and then we have 11, and then we have a nine, three boys and a girl. Um, they, the three youngest have gotten into Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So we are actually quite busy bringing them around to various trainings and actually going to some tournaments. Wow. Wow. I do have to ask just because this relates to me, where is your daughter in the birth mix? She's the baby. She's the baby. Woo. So my youngest is a daughter too. I've got two boys and a girl. Um, she's well protected. Let's just say that. She's well protected and she can also take care of herself pretty well because she has to keep up with her brothers and keep them in line. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Hey, wait, what right now, when you look at your life right now, what are you most passionate about today? Eric, I, I would say this may be a cop-out answer, but it's the same answer I typically give, which is I am very passionate about being an incrementalist. Okay. So what I mean by that is I'm a huge believer in getting better, a little bit better mm. each and every day. And so often, I think as entrepreneurs, particularly, we get so caught up in the latest big ideas and the latest, you know, silver bullets that come along that we lose sight of the fact that real radical change often occurs through small behavioral changes, right? Mm -hmm. So learning to get a little bit better every single day and particularly in the, in the areas that matter most to us. So that's my passion. My passion is that for myself, that for my wife, that for my kids and yeah. for my team and company. Yeah. What, what are you getting to do the most? What are you getting to do right now that is making the biggest incremental shift? So right now, what I would say is I'm leaning into finance within okay. the company. Um, finance is not my thing. Um, numbers, details, that's just not 
the way I'm wired, yep. but I'm really having to learn to lean into that. Um, you know, as a company gets larger, the numbers get bigger and yeah. the more mouths that you are responsible for helping feed families, you're responsible for helping take care of. So just ensuring that our financials are rock solid so that we can, you know, continue growing and continue building our team. Oh, that's, I like that answer. I like that answer. What? Tell us a little bit about the journey of ugly mug marketing. It has been, it's been a long journey, Eric. We are uh, just over 14 years in business. Okay. And I wish I had this story where I could come on and say, you know, from day one, everything was just uh, sunshine and rainbows, but that's not the reality. Um, you know, the first probably six years of the business were extremely trying, extremely difficult. Mm. And the number one reason, Eric, would probably be ego. You see, before Ugly Mug Marketing, I had built and grown another company. Uh, it was a lawn and landscape company. Mm. And over the course of three years, grew that from a startup to uh, a very sizable company for the area that we're in. Mm -hmm. And decided kind of on a whim to put that business up for sale and listed it with the broker. And within a couple of weeks, I had three different offers on that business. Wow. And so I was 26 years old at the time. And, you know, based on that success of growing that company, and then based on the fact that I actually had people competing over buying the company, mm -hmm. uh, that really played into my ego in not mm -hmm. so such a great way. Yeah. So going into this business, my assumption was I was going to conquer the world and this was going to be uh, easy to do. Mm. Mm. So <laughs> as those six years are kind of going along, what were, what were some of the greatest obstacles that you faced and overcame to get your ego in check? Yeah. Number one is uh, I think the understanding that just because you did something previously that was successful or made you a success that based on the industry, based on the business, based on, the environment, in other mm -hmm. words, the business environment that we that we live in, that those elements that created success for that other company may not parlay over to this new company. Mm. Um, another part of it was that what fueled the success of my first business, the lawn and landscape company, was marketing. And mm. it was as a result of the marketing that people started coming to me and asking me, how are you growing? How are you scaling your, your business? And so I started doing consulting on the side, marketing consulting. And so that led me into this idea that people wanted to know and to do what I was doing, mm. which was true to some degree. But what I realized when I started this business full-time was that people are so used to doing the same things, right? So in the marketing world, they're so used to doing whatever they've done in the past that they're unwilling to push outside those boundaries and outside those boxes. And mm. so for me, I was spending so much time trying to persuade and convince and convince people basically that I was right and they were wrong, which mm. as you can imagine was a very difficult yeah. <laughs> road to go down. Yeah. What we, we started out talking about my motto is if it's not broke, break it. When you think about how you've kind of set up ugly mug marketing, I just kind of was looking at some of the things. What, what do you see? Or maybe here's a better question. I imagine that as you kind of run this business, um, you've seen things that need to be broken. If you're looking at kind of in the marketing space and things like that, what are the biggest things that you're breaking or you see need to be broken in that space, especially in people's mentality as they're coming and saying that's something that they need? Sure. What I would say, number one, is that as entrepreneurs, so business owners, entrepreneurs, that they have to understand that marketing is a huge 
role within their business. So if they can't afford someone to oversee marketing on their own, you know, in their company, they have to take responsibility for that. And what I see so often is that entrepreneurs relegate that responsibility to the ad reps that come to them. So whether that's television, radio, whether it's the internet services that are calling them, um, they know that marketing is important. And so when the reps come in, they, they know they need to be doing. So they often say, yes, we'll, we'll give that a try. And then the rep says, well, what do you want to run? What do you want the spot to be about? What do you want the radio to be about? And they're, they're like, I don't know, put something together and bring it back to me. And so then what happens is they come back and they're so busy. They don't have time to really think through the marketing. So yeah. I think number one is this whole concept of we have to understand that a marketing is important, which most entrepreneurs agree with, but B we have to take ownership of that or make sure we have someone dedicated on our team who is owning the responsibility for the results of that marketing. Mm. Mm. Is it simply just not wanting to do it? Wait, I, mean, I guess maybe here's a better question. What do you find gets the leader of the business or the owner of the business, that entrepreneur, right? Over the hump of where they need to be versus, I mean, I could see myself even coming in and go, well, no, no, I'm hiring you guys to take care of that, right? Or I'm hiring this group to take care of that. And I've, I've seen this in my own business, but I think there's kind of a mindset shift where you almost have to educate the business owner to get them there. What do you find in that? Yeah, hundred percent. You're, you're spot on with that, Eric. What I would say is that in the marketing world, one thing that is definitely broken big picture wise within our own industry is the dependence on what we would call vanity metrics. So impressions mm. and reach and frequency, all of those things are important. All of those things play a role, but those metrics in and of themselves are meaningless, right? Which would you rather have? Would you rather have a million visitors to your website, Eric, who have no interest in what you do? Or would you rather have 10 who are qualified to actually work with you? Yeah, So yeah, all day. Yeah, but- in the business world, we are so enamored often mm -hmm. by these big metrics, by the reach and the frequency and engagement and all these things. And again, I'm not discounting the importance because when you have a strategic marketing system in place, those things matter because they lead to something else. But at the end of the day, marketing is about, if you're a for-profit business, it is about putting more money in the bank. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Marketing should not be a cost. It should be an investment. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What is, um, I, I'm stopping because I got a couple of directions I want to go with this, but maybe I'm, I'm going to kind of continue down this life. So what is ugly mug marketing? Where would you say kind of is your key differentiator? Because you're talking about this conceptually, but as people come in to work with you, what would you say that like, what's kind of their aha that they find different that just makes it so refreshing and exciting to work with you guys? Sure. There's two answers to that. The first one is the word results. And I know that's so cliche, <laughs> but we are so committed to getting results for our clients that what we tell them is we say, give us two months. That is all we want. Give us two months. And within two months, if you are not confident that we are going to deliver the results that you are after, let's, let's shake hands and walk away and, and be friends mm -hmm. and we'll, we'll go on and you'll go on. Yes. So we don't want to hold people to contracts just because we've made them sign a contract. We want to get results because at the end of the day, it's about relationships and it's about creating evangelists for our organizations. And mm. so if we force people to stay in relationships that they hate, there's no way they're going to ever go tell other people good things about us. So yes. results would be the number one thing that I think we have to 
use to differentiate ourselves in the, sure. the crowded, complicated marketplace. Yeah. yeah. Hey, I want to talk, I'm, I'm fascinated by the journey. And especially as you kind of talk about this ego thing, I want to come back like as a leader of an organization. Um, and you said the number one thing standing in your way was ego. At least my experience is there's some pretty big places I've been punched in the face that have taken my ego down a couple of notches. I'd imagine you experienced that. I'd love, would you be willing to share with us maybe a story or two of kind of what happened that kind of helped you reset the ego so you could be a better leader of who you are today? Absolutely. So I remember for years in the early days of this business that um, I would get a client and it would be for a marketing system or a marketing campaign. And we'd go in and do all this work and pour our hearts and souls into the work. At that time, it was mostly me. I did have some other team members, but mostly me. And then we would deliver it. And then to be honest with you, Eric, I was terrified of actually finding out the true results of that campaign. You see, mm. I poured myself so much into the work that was there that I couldn't bear the thought of it actually not delivering the results that it was after. And mm. so in hindsight, that's such a stupid mistake, right? It's like, if you're not getting honest feedback, from yeah. your clientele, you have no way of improving. You're always going to be stuck and set in your ways without getting that honest feedback. And I believe that for me, particularly as an entrepreneur, that we tend to love our baby, right? Our business so much that we don't want other people to say our baby's ugly. And it makes sense. But if we don't have people in our lives who can see the things that we can't see, Mm. and point those things out, then we are forever doomed to keep making what I would call, quote unquote, invisible mistakes, mistakes that are holding us back, that are hindering us, that we don't even know we are making because we are oblivious. We're mm. blind to those mistakes. Yeah. That's <laughs> so valuable when you can kind of find the mistake and see what it is. And um, yeah, that's a what is, when you guys think about Ugly Mung Marketing and you think about what, what, as you were growing it and you talked about it was six years, what was the breakthrough maybe at year six? What happened there that turned it from maybe a different trajectory? Yeah, so uh, at year six, around that time, um, I had a friend that had a business for sale. He was trying to sell his company and I was trying to convince him to hang on to it for another year or two and grow it to that next level. I mean, it was already a decent sized company, but I, I was trying to convince him, look, if you just stick with this a little bit longer, it's going to be worth a multiple of what you're going to get for it now. Yep. And he was at the point where he didn't want to continue growing out his team and building out mm. his team. Mm. So I was a part of an entrepreneur mastermind group at the time. And I invited him to come to lunch with me at the mastermind luncheon. And so it just so happens, Eric, that the day that he decides to come is the day that we're talking about employees. And so as the conversation begins, the uh, facilitator asked everyone to go around the room and to say, you know, your name, your company, and how many employees you have working for you. And so as it goes around, everyone's sharing, and all eyes are on this one gentleman who has a company with, at the time, he had 600 employees. And so everyone's just kind of waiting on to get to him. You know, he's the most successful one. And so it gets over to him. He introduces himself, says his company name. And then when he says, in terms of the number of employees I have working for me, it's about half of them. And so oh. everybody busts into laughter and, you know, it's this whole thing. But sadly, Eric, for the next hour and a half, it was just this 
complete circle of people complaining about their teams and how their teams didn't ever want to work and how it was constant headaches and constant drama. And so my idea to bring him here to help bolster this idea of growing his company to the next level, um, when we left that meeting, he calls me a little bit later and says, look, I've decided I'm just not, it's not worth the headache, not worth the frustration. But it was in that moment for me that I had this epiphany. I don't know what it was about that, but I just said in my to my to myself, I said, look, there are other companies out there who have amazing teams, who are scaling, who are growing. And the entrepreneur is not stressed out. They're not worried all the time. They're not up all night wondering if things are getting done or not getting done. I want to build that type of company. That is what I want. And so that led me down the next, you know, seven, eight years of this okay. journey that I've been on. And so that really, that experience did, from what I hear you say, that took you kind of like on this leadership journey of really kind of figure out how to create the culture. Yep. Spot on. That's exactly right. So what was maybe, what were some of the greatest lessons or kind of breakthroughs from a culture standpoint? Again, this is redefining success. So let's go to the kind of that six-year point. Let's take you forward from there. Did you find some things along the way that made you thought were going to work culture way wise and they were the wrong thing? And then I would even, I'd love the other side of the coin. Is there anything from a culture standpoint that like worked really, really well, but took you by surprise how well it worked? Yeah. The the number one thing that stands out in terms of that moment and that pivot was shortly after that, I, I read this quote by Michael Gerber. So E-Myth, E-Myth Revisited. And, and the quote was basically something along the lines of that, your business is a reflection of yourself. If your thinking is not strategic, your business will not be strategic. And the quote goes on and on and kind of spells out all these things about how our businesses as entrepreneurs are reflections of who we are. Mm. And so for me, that's when I had to look myself in the mirror. And what I come to realize is that the most difficult person, Eric, that I'm going to ever have to lead is the person who looks back at me in the mirror Mm. in the mornings. Mm. And until I'm willing to lead that person well, I'm never going to be able to lead a team well. So for me, that was like the beginning pivot. It's like, okay, I'm going to lead myself well. I'm going to lead by example. I'm going to ensure that whatever the business is reflecting back is what I want it to look like. Yeah. And so from a culture perspective, you know, I, I think there's two things that so many entrepreneurs get in trouble with. And for me, the first six years, this was it. So on the one hand, we have alignment right? So we have to have our team aligned around the mission, the vision, the values, the things that we're aiming towards with our business or with our organization. On the other side of that is autonomy. And that is giving people the freedom to use their gifts, their abilities to execute based on where we're trying to go. And what I see so many entrepreneurs, and, and this was certainly true for me, what I see happen is we give autonomy to our team, they run with it, And then we complain that they didn't do it correctly. They did Mm. something wrong. They did, you know, there's all this list of things. And so then what we say is, well, I can't trust them to go execute on Mm. this thing. So then we, we vacillate all the way back to the other side, which is micromanagement, right? So then we start saying, well, I'm just going to give them tasks and I'm going to check every single task. And so then we drive ourselves crazy micromanaging. And so I've had to learn over the years that you have to learn to balance alignment with autonomy. Because mm-hmm. if you have just a highly aligned team with no autonomy, you have robots, right? You have people yeah. who are just doing exactly what you say to do and nothing more. Yeah. But if you have all autonomy with no alignment, 
you're going to have chaos. And so mm. for years, I was vacillating between those two things. I was giving complete freedom or a lot of freedom. And then I was complaining that they're not doing it right, that all these things. And so then I would take back over control. And then on the other side, Eric, I'm complaining that I'm having to micromanage everything, right? Right. Right. Um, Wayne, these are powerful, powerful lessons. I would like, you talked in the bit in the beginning, talking about like every single day is about incremental growth, right? Every single day is about incremental change. Is there anything regarding culture or what is your kind of on the second path of growth? Um, and maybe you just talked about it, but I mean, is there anything incrementally you did in your leadership and in the culture that maybe accelerated things faster than other incremental changes? Because when we think about incremental, we think about well, it's a small amount of change, but sometimes you'll get onto like one little thing that takes you like 10 steps ahead out of the blue. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So the thing for me personally was this belief that I had around people. You see, for those first six years, it was this vacillation back okay. and forth. And so I had adopted this belief that I am not good at managing and leading people. Mm. And I had so many mentors and so many counselors during those first six years who still today laugh at the fact that I used to complain all the time about not being a good leader and not being a good manager. And so until I acknowledge that that belief was becoming a self-fulfilling prophecy within mm -hmm. my business, yeah. I couldn't make the change. So for me personally, an incremental change was observing that belief. And when that belief showed up, challenging that belief. So today, one of the things that I tell myself constantly is that I love doing one-on-ones with my team. I love the the team meetings that we do every single week because I am a good leader. I am a good manager. And so that whole pivot for me made a huge difference. But I don't know if you can dive into the other specific that deals more with the team and the culture. That's kind of the internal side of that. We'll do that. I mean, why not? Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, please. So what I've discovered you know, for us is that there are three elements when it comes to actually having a team that is what I would call highly accountable mm -hmm. and high performance. Okay. Now, the three elements I would say is number one, the relationship. So your team has to believe that you have their best interest at heart. And that's not just at work. That is their entire well-being. Yeah. They have to genuinely believe that. And in order for them to genuinely believe that, it has to be true, right? You have right. to convey that not with just your words, but your actions and everything about your being to them. So number one is the relationship, which is about you have their best interest at heart. Number two is discomfort. Mm. We have to lead and push our teams into discomfort. We have mm -hmm. to push them outside of their comfort zones. We have to push them for those incremental changes that they wouldn't necessarily take on their own. Yeah. Now, here's the thing. When we go to the gym, if I were to say, Eric, when do we, when do we build our muscles? You know, most people are going to answer, well, when we go to the gym, the reality is when we're in the gym, we're actually not building muscle. We're not growing muscle. We're tearing muscle down. That's we're right. breaking the muscle fibers. The growth actually occurs during comfort, during recovery. So the third element with our team is we have to know when to let up. We have to know when to give them space to recover, to learn the lessons that they just witnessed as a result of going through that discomfort. So those three ingredients, relationship, the comfort and the discomfort, those three things have, in terms of catapulting and taking us 10 steps forward, Yeah, balancing those three things, because in the center of that is where I believe scale can take place for our business. That's, wow. 
That was powerful. Say that again. The three are, if I got this right, relationship, comfort, and discomfort. That's it. Yep. Wow. Wow. So is that kind of become, this is one of the things I find, like we, as entrepreneurs, we start doing business, we start doing anything, but like our greatest weakness becomes our superpower. Is that kind of what you're finding for you? Like, I mean, the ego and everything else is becoming your superpower and kind of this, you know, as you're getting older and, and having more experience in running the business. Yeah, it can definitely be that way. And that's why for me, two things, number one, keeping ego in check, which yeah. for me, the best way to do that is to have people in my life who have the permission and the authority to question and challenge me. Mm -hmm. um, there's this beautiful grid, this matrix called the Jahari, J-O-H-A-R-I, maybe I may be spelling that wrong, Jahari window. And it basically shows that the things that are unknown to us, but known to others are the things that will hold us back over and over again. So mm -hmm. having coaches, having mentors, having advisors, is yeah. so, so important regardless of the stage of your business. Yeah. Yeah. Being coachable, being coachable. Um, when we are getting down towards kind of the end, I would like to, before we go, like what is when, when you're talking about ugly mug marketing and people are kind of listening in general though, but I'd like to put it in a, in general, like who's your ideal client? Who's your avatar? And if people are listening, like how do they know they should get in touch with you? And then how can they get in touch with you if they should? Sure. Um, we love working with growth-minded entrepreneurs. So if you believe you're an entrepreneur, so even if it's nonprofit, if you have an entrepreneurial you know, center, in other words, you're, you're leaning that way, you don't like the status quo, you want to do things differently, and if you're growth-minded, in other words, you, you're trying to grow the thing that you're doing. Yeah. Those are the two criteria. Um, and the other would just simply be if you are lacking results, if you've tried marketing with a, another agency or you've tried you know, contractors or consultants, whatever it may be, mm -hmm. but you've never gotten the results that you're, you're wanting or you deserve, yeah. we should definitely talk. So where, how do people get in touch with you? What's the best website? What's the best way to do that? Sure. The simplest place is uglymugmarketing.com. All of our social media, all of our email addresses, phone numbers, all that's right there. I love anyone who'll embrace what sounds like the negative is a part of the positive. This ugly mug marketing. I love that entire concept. Everybody make sure that you get to, you click on that link. Wayne, is there anything you didn't get to share while we were together today that you were hoping to share while we were on the show? I don't want to miss that opportunity at all. I would just say that, um, you know, for both myself, you know, as an individual, as a husband, as a father, and personally, as well as in my business, that consistency creates miracles. Mm. And I think so often that people who are wired towards success or wired towards the entrepreneurial side of things that we tend to be very visionary and we love the next big idea. We love jumping to the next big thing. And if we're not careful though, that strength that enables us to see the big picture, see things other people can't see, like you were saying earlier, becomes a weakness for us because we don't stick with the things that matter the most. And so in my personal life, my, my family life, and in my business life, consistency has always created miracles for me. Mm, mm. Well, Wayne, we've reached the end of the show, but I'm going to be so fascinated by your answer because I, I love the way that you think and in your, and your priorities. So in three generations, what do you hope your great-grandchildren remember about you? Yeah, I'm going I'm to tie it back to the, the very first thing I talked about was being an incrementalist. Oh. I, I just believe that that is such a powerful principle for everyone in a highly distracted world, which who knows what the world will look like in three generations. But sure. 
I would imagine it's probably going to be just as distracting as the world is today, if not more, that being focused on getting a little bit better in each area of our lives, mm-hmm. especially the areas that matter to us, that are centered around our values and our purpose, that that has the power to transform our lives and transform our legacy and our future generations. Oh, that's amen. Amen. Wayne, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much, Eric. I've enjoyed our chat. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone make sure, go look up Ugly Mug Marketing and what they're doing. Get in touch with Wayne, um, especially if you're growth-minded. We all, probably the marketing and the way you're doing it needs to be broken and you need to have a conversation. So thank you everyone for being with us today. Have a fantastic day. God bless you. Eric L. Dunavit here. Thank you so much for joining us for Redefining Success, the Kingdom Builder Spotlight. If you're a business owner or a family who is actively redefining success or have thoughts on kingdom impact or generational prosperity, and you would like to be a guest on the show, then I invite you to apply. Visit www.ericldunavit.com dot com slash podcast slash apply. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode, I would love for you to share that either through text or social media. Take a screenshot of the show and share that and share what you learned. If you know anyone that should be a guest on our show, we would also love for you to connect us to them. The best way to do that is to use hashtag redefining success. I love to read your thoughts and shares on social media. And we also are honored just to get any recommendations of people that you think we should be interviewing on the show. We are constantly adding new content, adding new podcasts. So first and foremost, I'm going to recommend that you subscribe so that you don't miss a thing. Also, you, all of your likes, your reviews, your shares, all of that makes a big difference to the show. So if you'll include those when you can, we definitely appreciate it. If you'd like to get in touch with me, visit www.ericl360.com and all of my connections to social and other ways to get in touch with me are there. This is Eric L. Dunavant, the Mindset Disruption Strategist, signing off. Until next time.